0: Please join, me, uh, please join me for a word of prayer. Lord, uh, each one of us comes into your sanctuary today with a kind of a different story going on in our lives. For, for some, uh, where we've been and where we go and are connected marvelously, and there's no hiccups, no bumps, no craziness in that story. And for others, Lord, uh, they're kind of sitting and going through it today, wondering, wondering how life got broken and where maybe it's going for them. So today we pray that you would open the minds of our hearts to your word and that you would fortify and strengthen us in our context and life with your love that is ours in Jesus the Messiah. Thank you for Mark's gospel, for the history, for the, for the story, for, for a break in the action, but for the consistency of our Savior Jesus. Provide us opportunity to meditate and reflect on this word in these moments ahead. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm kind of reminded of those three words up there, and they 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 just seem to take on meaning for me. He can read them with me. Life goes on. Now that means different things at say seventh or eighth grade than it does in a fresh senior in college a a a young person in eighth grade leaving st john's going into a local high school is is going to say life goes on but it's really scary eighth grade i was king i was queen i I had it all figured out i knew where my locker was and all that stuff but life goes on you're going to go to school you're going to be all right you're going to figure it out you're going to be a freshman might get picked on a little bit, not going to know exactly where you're going, but yeah, you make it through. And those of us who are a little older, while, while, while we're kind of dumped into it, when we're little, your tolerance for life going on becomes a different thing, right? The things that bothered you as a young person, as a middle-aged person, don't even move the needles when you're older. I don't know a lot of 80-year-old people who are bitter. But I know a lot of 80-year-old people who are strong, who when you ask them what they've been through, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to be fine. It's just going to be great. You know, life goes on. I said, yeah, but you just lost your spouse to cancer. Right? And I've seen enough of life to know how this works. How faithfulness to God and, 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 and holding faith in Christ in your heart, what that means for grieving and consolation. I'll make it, and one day, pastor, I'll be back with my wife again. Life goes on. Summer provides a a cool opportunity for things to slow a bit. Maybe you're one of those families that that your, your, your life and your rhythm are tied to the school year, and boy, you get to Memorial Day, and then you get school out, and the narrative of your life just changes dramatically. This last week, my wife and I went to walk to get our 10,000 steps in, in uh, Huntington Beach. And uh, you, you, you go out to the pier, and the pier kind of breaks, right? There are lots of people on the south side and lots of people on the north side and lots of people on the south side, and, uh, and no one's working. There's empty desks, empty schools. People broke for the summer to mess around at the beach, which is a super good thing. In our own congregation, we break for the summer. We've got tons of M&R stuff to do right now, and we got after it this week. No more Vacation Bible School, no more stuff. Our STEM lab is, is coming together beautifully. But if we had to work around people in our STEM lab while kids are in school, it would take forever to do it. We put new water service in Building A and Building B this week. And somehow with our old water service, we turned off the water to building A and building B and building C got turned off and we don't know what in the world how to turn it back on. But thank God people aren't in campus so we don't have kids to work around and crawl that craziness. But, but things kind of slow down so that different tasks and different rhythms of life can find their way to the forefront. Things that need to happen when it's quieter can, can happen. But it's not going to be too long. And the rhythm of work and the rhythm of life will pick up steam and, and speed again. And we will be reminded as school starts that life goes on. School and routine are going to take vacation and messing around. And we're just going get to back, get back at it. If you take that kind of pattern out a little bit from school and, and a year thing, and you bring it into a life. That, there, there are times in our lives where we're just cooking and cruising. And, and the story of our life, the narrative of our life just goes on. And, and then something breaks. It just breaks. And it could be the illness of a loved one that you just didn't know was coming. All the pre-work, all the diagnostic care. And all of a sudden the doctor calls you and says, you know, there's still a spot on that lung. Well, where, the, where did that come from? Well, we don't know. It just... Well, your spouse comes home from work that Friday and says, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to go Monday because I lost my job. But you worked there 35 years. Right. They replaced me with two 22-year-olds because 22-year-olds are cheaper than a 60-year-old guy. Then what? Life breaks down and it happens in many and different venues of life it's not just illness and sickness sometimes it's just what's going on between the ears and what's going on in here and you wake up one day and you say i just don't know why i can't shake that i don't know why i woke up feeling blue today and i felt blue yesterday and the day before and i sleep and i'm tired and i can't seem to wake up with any energy or any charge and life kind of breaks and when something breaks in life, the story changes. And sometimes it's something good. Sometimes it's the birth of a child. And, 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 and you kind of laugh at the young people. And you go, they go, this is great. You go, just wait. You're going to be so tired. And it's responsibility. And all that. But you rejoice with them, right? I got to baptize at 8 o'clock church, little Raiden Marshall, whose mom played soccer with my daughter in high school and went through through school here. And we we just kept yapping. But, But it was great. It was something good. The baptism broke into the mundane and the whole family was gathered together right here. It was awesome. Sometimes good things break in and the story of our lives changes. And sometimes painful things break in. And if you're wired like I am, you're probably more in tune to the painful things than you are the things for which to be grateful. But sometimes life just stops. In today's text, in Mark chapter 6, the the, the text breaks up the story. Jesus is is doing his thing, and we've been through it all summer. Every time he goes forward, he he walks and he tours and he gets after it. And, and, And then there's crowds of people around him. And then he preaches and teaches in the synagogues and and people come around him. And then the people around him find out that he is from God and that he's able to heal. I'm reminded of the story from Mark chapter 5 where the the lady who had the flow of blood and and hemorrhaging. That Jesus is in this huge crowd and and, and, and all of a sudden it, it kind of breaks on him. And someone touches him, power goes out of Jesus and he says, who touched me? And the disciples said, you've got to be kidding us. Are you nuts? Everyone's touching you. Jesus goes, no. And he turns around and the lady's there. And she says, I I did it. And he says, your faith has healed you. See, that was the ebb and flow of his ministry. That's what he was doing. Walking and touring, preaching and teaching, healing and casting out evil spirits. And as he did that, And as Mark records that, he's building the case for Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Everything points to that. Everything Jesus is doing. All of those things, you can go back into Isaiah and Amos. You can go back in and say, well, he's maybe bigger than a prophet and he's bigger than Elijah because even Elijah couldn't do this stuff. So that at the end of Mark's gospel, that it is the centurion who claims, surely this man was The Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Everything in the first six chapters of Mark's gospel leads up to the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. And then it breaks. And it breaks into this kind of PG-13 story. Peter told to Mark, and Mark wrote down about John the Baptist versus Herod. And the context is somewhat ugly because Christians are fixing to go under persecution. It's very likely that Mark was in Rome as Peter was in prison, and that as Mark was kind of penning and taking dictation from Peter's story, that the hurt was beginning to come down because Nero was the emperor. It's rumored and and legend that Nero had the fire of Rome started, and that with the fire of Rome then he bane he blamed christians and and then used that as an, as an excuse to jump off and begin throwing christians to the lions and all of those kind of first century things that went on because nero saw christianity and what christianity did in culture and community as a threat to the roman empire's emperor worship and to him personally and christianity was on the move it had gone from a little collection of 11 guys in Jerusalem who are even now making their ways to the very end of the world. To the very end. Already in Alexandria. Already in Asia Minor. Already churches in the, in the, where, where Turkey is in Asia Minor today. Already in Rome. Already thousands of miles away. Already the church on the move and the politicians seeing it and saying, we've got to do something about this. And so Mark is writing to get his hearers ready for perhaps Christianity going from on the move to being under attack. And he's prepping his people, he's prepping his readers, his hearers, for what was next. You ever think about that? What's next? What's next in California? I don't know. Sun will come up tomorrow, go to the beach, go to work, do your thing. I don't know. What's going on in the United States? I don't know. I know that people live their lives and do their things and it's somewhat normal and somewhat routine. It's what you do, it's kind of how it works. And what's going on in the world? I'm not sure. I watched the NATO thing this week and I kind of wonder what's going on in the world. But I know that it's important for me and you, for me as a pastor and and for me as your pastor and you as children of God, to be ready for what comes next because we do know that eventually stuff breaks and circumstances change. And who stands in those moments of break are the resilient, the strong, the devout, and the faithful. And the rest get washed away. So this story breaks up Mark's gospel to say, get ready and be prepared. And the story is particularly kind of gross and, and, and ugly. But it teaches us a couple things. It teaches you that if you stand up against power, event, eventually because you're threatening, you're going to be threatened, which is exactly what happened to John the Baptist. Herod had married his brother's wife. And she must have been something else. I would love to read a biography about her because I'm sure that it would really be fascinating if you know what I mean. She was an operator. And when she was criticized by John the Baptist, she never forgot it. She waited for an opportune moment, the Scripture says, and the opportune moment came. When her daughter got up and she remembered how threatening John the Baptist was. And how Herod, her husband, was kind of set up and and uptight. When John the Baptist would stand up, Herod would stand back. And what was going on there was a matter of honor and shame. John was honest. John was faithful. John was dedicated. John was a good man of honesty and integrity. And Herod was slime. And so the people knew that Herod was evil and that John was good. And if Herod killed John for no reason but that, then Herod would be shamed and lose his honor. Powerful part of that culture. A powerful part of of driving this story is that there was a grudge that was held and a consequence for what John said that cost him his life. And another lesson from this context is that sometimes latent comments will be brought back to you. Remember when your children came to you and said, do you remember what you said? Do you remember that? And you say, God, for the life of me, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they drill you. On July 4th, 2016, at 3.15 p.m. at 7-11 on the corner of Lincoln and Tustin Avenue, you said that you would give me that $200 and I want that $200. I don't remember saying that. I remember. Right? That's what's going on here. A latent comment that had been made, spoken in truth, spoken in righteous judgment, is brought back up. And the last thing that Mark is warning his people of is that the hurt's on its way, that you may suffer. And like John the Baptist, you may suffer righteously even to the point of death. Now, in America, that doesn't make a lot of... We're not in imminent danger of death that we know of. But it's a different thing right now than it was eight or ten years ago to be a Christian. It used to be... you go to the Chalk Hospital and you, and, and you check in and you say, I'm a pastor from St. John's. I'd like to come in and visit my member. And they say, wait a minute, sir, you'll have to be checked in. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I walk into surgery rooms. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm all about. Will you validate my parking? <laughs> we don't do that anymore. And when you're a pastor in 21st century America and you introduce yourself as a pastor, what's going through someone's mind is not a quaint Midwestern hometown feel. It's the child scandals of the Catholic church that go through their mind's eye. It's TV evangelists who have fleeced their congregations and say stupid things. And are we undergoing persecution? perhaps culturally and somewhat passively. But I want you and I want us as a body of Christ to be ready if and when that breaks. And the first and most important piece of being ready is to keep the main thing, the main thing. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark starts his gospel with this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark knows he's not going to write down the whole story. He can't for goodness sakes write it all down probably in the lifetime that he has left, but he but he can give us the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can say, "Here's where it started, and here's the trajectory, and here's where it's going." And let's keep the main thing the main thing. The good news of God revealed in Jesus Christ. With that, you have the main thing, and you're strong and steady and resilient, and without that, you quite literally got nothing. Watch pagan people suffer, and the, 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 the tried of reasoning to reason themselves out of it. And watch a faithful Christian person work their way through a break in life. And watch them find meaning and purpose and strength and resiliency because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the main thing and the gospel of Jesus Christ and His love is moving in their lives. And then Mark turns the page and he moves on with his life. He moves on with his story of Jesus not afraid after the pilot thing after the the Herod thing it doesn't stop there and 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 mark says and we all got a little nervous peter was killed paul was on his way to jail and i'm just going to go somewhere and chill out uh-uh it's not like that for the people of god mark turns the page and goes on with the life of jesus he's not afraid but confident moving into the next pages which resume right at the right, it resumes right at the right where it left off with the sense of confidence and that God himself is writing the story. Jesus goes on to feed 5,000 people. If you thought he was done, he ain't. He's just getting warmed up. If you thought that calming the storm was a big deal, this cat's about ready to go out in the middle of a squall and walk on water to his guys. If you think healing a lady was the the end of his ministry, there's more going on. He's got hundreds of people left to heal. And when he's done, he's going to end up on a cross. When the whole world can look and say, that one on the cross is the Messiah, the Son of God, the sacrifice for all sin for all time, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus. He's the one. He's the main thing. He's what it's all about. And I'm going to come to this over and over and over again until the middle of September. And I preach, you're going to hear it every week. A Roman centurion Proclaimed the gospel to the people huddled around the cross. At the end of Mark's gospel, he says, Surely this man was the Son of God. The resiliency that comes in knowing Jesus, the preparedness that comes in knowing Jesus, the strength that comes in knowing Jesus is ours through faith so that when life breaks for you or the hurt comes down for us we're not alone in any way shape or form we have this in Christ and we have body of Christ stuff one to another and it's that that allows us to stand and to get on with the rest of the story of our lives. Because in your lives and in mine, the Lord is doing a good work, which, given the reality that we're all here, isn't quite completed yet. Amen.